0: When I was in seminary some 25 years ago, one Hebrew Bible story that puzzled me was the one found in Genesis 32, 22 to 32. It describes how Jacob, a grandson of Abraham, a son of Isaac, wrestled all night with a man or an angel or God himself, and in the morning found himself damaged, but nevertheless undefeated. Now, this is far beyond the passage from Luke 11, which says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find, knock, and it will be open to you. Jacob demanded a blessing from his opponent and received it. Jacob was renamed Israel, which means struggles with God. And here's an excerpt of that from the uh, NIV. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. And when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name, Jacob? He answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Jacob said, Please tell me your name. But he replied, Why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, "It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared." So Jacob believed he saw the face of God in his opponent. Christians usually call it an angel, and some even think of it of the man as the 2000-year pre-embodiment of Jesus, although the man component might only have been Jacob's spiritual struggle with himself. Our guest today, Kenneth Chin, believes he had an NDE while struggling against a deadly case of COVID-19. But I must say I disagree with that interpretation. To my way of thinking, Ken did not have a near-death experience as such, but something much rarer, let's call it a Jacob experience, as he battled with all his spiritual strength and knowledge of the Bible against a death that was otherwise assuredly going to happen. So what is the difference between an NDE and Ken's experience? Well, rarity, for one. NDEs occur about a thousand times a day in the U.S. alone. They represent personal glimpses into the truth and love of the light. And simply put, they are a loving gift from God. So relax and learn from it. Jacob, on the other hand, battled with all his might through the night with what he later named the face of God. And for his success, Jacob was named the father of Israel of a people who still struggle with the face of God through the hand of mankind's cruelty. And God, in return, loves and confounds Jacob's heirs repeatedly. Israel is, for better or worse, God's chosen people. Ken Chin, on the other hand, is the father of one person, his daughter Tara, who suffers from epilepsy. And she was the prime reason Ken was not willing to just lay back and let God take him home. No, not yet. Ken fought a physical fight for the breath of life, and he fought primarily with spiritual weapons drawn from the Hebrew and Christian Testaments. To my way of thinking, Ken wasn't intended for an NDE. He was intended for heaven that night. Yet, like Jacob, he battled the face of God to a loving standstill. Ken, welcome to NDE Radio. Well, thank you, Leah. That's a great the introduction. I Appreciate your perspective on all that, and I'm I'm glad to be here with you and with your listeners. Well, we're we're honored to have you with us. Ken, you graduated from East Texas Baptist University in nineteen eighty one and then continued your education at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. So it seems you were on your way to becoming a Baptist minister, but changed your mind at some point about tying yourself to one particular denomination. So tell us the difference you see between uh, denominational religions versus building a personal relationship with God. Wow, let's just let's get heavy real quick. okay?
1: (laughs) yeah, I, uh, you know, even though I was at a a Baptist seminary and uh, a Baptist university, you know, uh, I really was opened to, you know, Uh, You know, I would go to a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or different type churches, and and um, you know, uh, the Scripture says there's wisdom in a multitude of counsel, and sometimes you can get a you can get a different angle or different viewpoint on scriptures from different people, and um, you know, different people that uh, were probably a lot older and more mature than me at this particular time in my life. but, yeah, I, I've never defined myself, so to speak, as a, a Baptist or a Lutheran or, you know, any of the other names out there. I've always just considered myself a a believer in Jesus Christ and in the, the scriptures.
0: A lot of the NDE reports that we've had here on the show is that uh, there's no religion in heaven. God is uh, just looking for a, for a loving hearts. Uh Ken, tell us about your encounter with COVID-19. Sure. So really,
1: December 2021, um, I'm out at the family ranch, and I just love going out, Lee. Uh, We've got a a beautiful place. It's a seven-acre lake, a five-acre lake, 181 acres, and, you know, hunting, fishing. You know, Scripture says the heavens declare the glory of God, and You know, I've got a brother that's never done a a day of manual labor in his life. You know, so someone has to go out there and work on the ranch. (laughs) So I'm out here just, you know, East Texas, throwing around some uh, 60 pound bags of concrete. I've got a few hundred bags of concrete. There's been some uh, road that washed out and just having a big time. I feel great. You know, I have, uh, for your listeners, I've never, I don't take medications. I've got no pre existing conditions. I'm very Mm -hmm. healthy. I've always been healthy, uh, thank God, thank you, Jesus, and, uh, you know, uh, tossing around these bags of concrete is like the piece of paper. Well, it comes to uh, Christmas Eve, we have a tradition, and we always, uh, even though my uh, brother has passed away, we still maintain that. Uh, with my sister-in-law, we go over to, um, to their house, and we have a Christmas Eve there, we Read the passage in the scripture about the birth of Jesus. We break out the guitars and sing some songs and, and just have a big time, you know, a big feast. And and I knew when I got up from, uh, from the meal that night, I knew something was not right. I started wiping the sweat uh, from my forehead, began to have cold chills. and uh, But I hung in there. I thought, you know, I'm Mr. Tough Guy. So I made it through the night. I had uh see my wife, my father-in-law, and my daughter were with me. And, I mean, as soon as we got home, I went straight to bed. And my wife was concerned because at this time, COVID was running rampant. So she went to the drugstore, and she got a COVID test, uh, and I tested negative. Mm. So it, everybody kind of breathed a little sigh of relief. Uh, so I thought, you know, I'll double down. I'll drink plenty of fluids and, you know, eat my uh, chicken soup and take some extra vitamins and do all those things. And I'll feel better. So on Christmas Day, uh, you know, everybody comes over to our house. Well, I spent all day in bed. I mean, I didn't leave my room. Uh, I was feeling weaker. My breathing was coming a little bit more labored. And, um. Yeah, I just I, I just knew something was wasn't right so stubborn me I waited three more days it was December 28th when I f- finally relented I said okay I'm gonna go to an ER clinic mm-hmm. and as soon as I went in there uh, they tested me they said you have covid 19 sir you have the delta variant they gave me some medications and sent me home said if you don't feel better in two days come back and see us kind of let this medicine work its way and you know, rest, do all that. And I said, okay. So I find myself back two days later. And the same thing, you know, if you don't feel better in a couple of days, come back. They gave me some more medications. And um, so here I am back on my third visit. And this particular time, they, they said, well, you know, let's, let's uh, do an x-ray of your lungs. So, yeah, they x-rayed my lungs. They said, sir, you've got COVID-19 pneumonia. So they hooked me up to a breathing machine, a mask, and uh, they sent me home again a third time. And again, I'm healthy. I've never had a breathing problem, you know. Get up on the treadmill and go for an hour at the gym working out and, so I knew, you know, I'm going downhill quick. And a, a couple of days later, you know, I'm back at, back at the ER clinic again for my fourth visit. And just thank God that there was a doctor there. And he saw my condition and he recognized what was going on because he, had, he was in the same shape about a year earlier. He had had a very near-death experience. I mean, he was right on the edge and he said, uh, Ken, the only way you're leaving here is by an ambulance. And he said, I'm going to personally see that you get a room at the local hospital. Sit tight with me. It's going to take me a while to get a room, but I'm going to get you a room at the local hospital. And I said, you know, praise God. I'm I'm not fighting that, man. I, I knew how bad I was. So I'm just sitting there with a the breathing mask on and, you know, just waiting, uh, waiting, waiting and, you know. The truth of the matter is I'm really just waiting for someone to die mm. uh, in order for me to uh, to get a room because uh, the hospitals were overrun, the ER clinics were overrun. I know a lot of places in the world had um, bad uh, experiences with COVID, but East Texas was really hit rough. So as I sat there, you know, he would come back about every five minutes and give me a little spiel about how he you know, improved and, you know, some recommendations. Very caring doctor, uh, very caring and uh, extremely concerned about my condition. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, a room opens up. I go by ambulance. I'm at the hospital. And, you know, within a, a period of time there, I find myself being confronted with um uh, uh, four doctors and internist, and they're all just, uh, you know, taking shots at me. Um, they're trying to convince me that my slim chance of living is to go on a ventilator. Uh, they're saying, you know, you, we're here to help you. You know, let us help you. You don't realize how sick you are. Go on this vent, sign this DNR. You know, you're you're not in your right frame of mind. Let's just get this going. You're wasting precious time. And I refused. So I told them, I said, everything I've read and studied tells me that only 12% of the people that go on these ventilators live to come off of them. And when I said that, you know, our conversation was combative enough uh, that had my number been wrong, you know, I, they would have called me on and I'm 100 percent sure. Nope. But not one of them said, oh, you know, Ken, it's 35 percent or it's 55 or, you know, it's 48 percent live and come off of it, but not one of them. So, you know, um, one by one, they all began to leave and thought, well, you know, we'll go we'll go help somebody that accept our treatment, and you know they said, you know, your decision's on you. Mm-hmm. You know, you're, you, you know, you're making this decision against our medical judgment, and and I said, I, I you know, I accept full, I, I accept responsibility. Hey, it's it's on me. Uh, you know, if if I'm gonna die, I'm gonna go go out with whatever awareness God gives me. You know, I'm not gonna go on 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 event and. And I had had a, a friend who died on vent, event, uh, and I'm not here to give medical advice. You know, hey, if someone <laughs> wants to, to do that, I'd just say, um, you know, do your own research, look into it, um, and make the decision yourself, like I said. So as they, uh, as they left me, Lee, shortly after this, I find myself and while I'm there with them, I mean, I, I'm I, I knew I was bad. I mean, I'm in a wheelchair. I've got a, my, my oxygen mask on and and uh, I'm having chills and sweats. So, I mean, I, I felt, you know, death was imminent. So shortly after this, I find myself being uh, taken downstairs and a bed and um, rose to the end of the hall and the door's closed and the curtains pulled on me. And because I wouldn't go on a, a ventilator, they decided to put me on a BiPAP machine. It's a mass that forces air into your lungs. So I thought, okay, I'll, I'll, I'll do that. I didn't fight them on that. So as I'm sitting there, I'm like, wow. And I just thought to myself, H- how did I get here? And how did, th- I mean... You know, a little over a week ago, I'm tossing around 60-pound bags of concrete with, with ease, and I, I can't even stand up now. I'm struggling for for each and every breath with just a very conscious effort. And so my mind shifted then from dealing with doctors, and, I mean, it's just you. It's just me and God, and, hey, you know, you, you might as well get real about the whole situation. So I have a background of I've known the scripture since I was a child. And, you know, as you mentioned, I have a degree in theology. So, you know, the first passage of scripture that came to my mind, as you referenced, was Genesis 32. And I knew if I went to sleep, I was going to die because I, you know, as we're talking now, just breathing is just, you know, we're just breathing. We don't think talking. We don't think anything about it. But, you know, I was in such a state that I knew that it was a, uh, you know, it was an effort involved. There was a struggle involved just for each and every breath. And I knew if I just rolled over, it was over. So I began to think about Jacob, you know, and um, he wrestled with God all night long. You know, this was not a five-minute prayer. He was not saying, you know, God bless his food and uh you know, thank you, Jesus, for the the meal we're about to receive and all that. No, his life, he felt like death was imminent, just like I did. He thought Esau was going to kill him. Esau was going to kill his entire family the next day. This was a life and death situation for him, Mm -hmm. just like I felt like it was for me. He just couldn't roll over and not do anything. So I think his persistence and his... uh, willingness to fight for his life and fight for his family um uh, you know and god changing that not from jacob into israel as you as you so shared and so you know that's the first passage that really just rolled up in me i thought you know god i've got to do this you know i have i prayed all night long i have not so i thought you know maybe i can do this so Shortly after that, man, I'm in, I'm in desperation. I begin to think about Psalms 46.1 where the scripture says, God, God, you're my ever-present help in my time of need. I mean, God, God I need you now. I, don't, I mean, I don't need you tomorrow, God. I'm, I'm struggling for breath right now. God, I, I need you now. You know, be my ever present help, God. This is the time, God. Manifest yourself to me. And from that scripture, I began to think about Psalm 73, verse 25 and 26. You know, it says, My flesh and my heart faileth. And I was just like, God, God, my body is shutting down. God, my body is shutting down. I could feel it. And, you know, and, my flesh and my heart fail, but God be the strength of my heart. God strengthen me in my weakness. And these the next passage. I began to think of was was Hannah. You know, Hannah was in desperation. She was, uh, needing God's intervention, needing a, a miracle from God for her prayer. And she's in the temple and she's crying out and she's weeping and all these emotions are going on. And, uh, she's shaking. And, uh, you know, the dumb priest, Eli, thinks that she's drunk in the morning, you know, but she's just pouring out her heart to the Lord. And these these passages that had to do with with death and desperation and travail, you know, I began to think about that Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, how, you know, Jesus was in such travail. He's fixing to go to the cross. He's fixing to uh, carry the sin of the world. And, uh, you know, there's a medical term. It says that he sweat great drops of blood coming through his pores. It's called hematidosis. And it, it was the passion and the travail that he was going through. And, uh, you know, that's where I was at. I mean, you know, I've heard it said before by different revivalists and ministers that God— does not answer prayer. God answers desperate prayer. And then that's where I felt I was at. I was just in desperation, struggle, just trying to, to breathe and, and and to labor on and, and to to live. You know, I thought about the, the three Hebrew children, you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were thrown into the fiery furnace by the king and I was like, God, you know, God, rescue me from the fires of death. You know, we know that the angel rescued the, the three Hebrew youth. And so as this is going on, it's like I said, just uh, passages that deal with death and desperation and calling out to God. I, I began to drill down in Romans eight eleven, And it says, If the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwell in you, you know, he will quicken your mortal bodies. And I just turned that scripture over in my head and just meditated on that. Just God, let your spirit quicken my body. God, just as you breathe into Adam, the breath of life, God, just God, breathe into me the breath of life, God. Let your Holy Spirit make alive my body. And after about 20, 30 minutes of just praying that scripture and meditating on it, man, I just had this just pow. I just had this surge of energy flowing through my body. And, you know, I mean, prior to this, I'm just weak and just limp and just, you know, at the point of exhaustion, almost given up. And so this was really the first sign to me that, you know, God was with me. You know, that God was God was with me, and uh, it gave me strength to continue to pray. And as, and as you pointed out, you know, my prayer was not even for me. My prayer was, God, God, let me live, God, so I can see my daughter get more established in the faith. God, let me live to, God, spare my life so I can see her become more independent. God, I can see her become more mature. Uh just crying out, you know, at a father for his only child, and and uh, pleading and crying. I mean, you know, I'm a tough guy, Lee. I don't cry much, you know. But just uh, it just gets real and raw when it's just you and God, and you got no visitors. So this went on for a period of time, and you know, I just felt this—it's like electricity flowing through my veins, and. After, I guess, 30 minutes or so of experiencing that, I began to feel weak again. It was like I'd been unplugged, and I began to feel desperate. And I began to cry out to God even harder. You know, the psalmist says, God, I I will cry out to you as long as I have breath. And, you know, I knew my my life was in God's hands. You know, it was... The doctors have done what they could. Uh, you know, it is what it is at this point. And um, whether God would intervene at this time, I did not know. I didn't know if God would answer my prayers the way I wanted him to. And so after this, I began to drill down on Romans eight twenty six, 26. And it's, uh, it's just another level of prayer that most Christians know nothing about. Uh, Regardless of their background or faith, but it talks about praying with, with, you don't even have the words. You just, it's just groaning in the spirit with words you cannot even utter. I found myself here and I'm just at an end of myself and I'm just going, ugh, just, ugh, ugh, ugh. Trying to touch the throne of God, just trying to to get through. Just oh, oh, oh! I think maybe I could just out of the depths of my belly. I'm just oh, oh, God, God! You know, as I'm just in this deep travail, just and so intense. I mean at times I felt like this is my insides were just going to burst out. I was so in, intensely praying. And so I'm praying this for 20, 30 minutes or so. I sit there and I opened my eyes up and I looked down at, at my body and my arms and, and there's this white glowing light. It's, it's not like a, a static light, like you go in and flip on a light switch. This light is alive, and it's like all over my arms and hands and body. And and my first thought was, I'm fixing to die. You know, I've read stories about people and heard about their experiences, and I had a little bit of panic. I thought, well, you know, this is it for Ken. I'm fixing to die and go to heaven. So, you know, these saints of old or people, you know, they're, Sitting on their deathbed, and all of a sudden they look up and raise up, and they say, "Oh, I, I see the light. I, I, I see angels. I, I see, I see clouds of glory. I see Christ." And you know, they they give up the spirit and they fall back and they die, and their spirit goes on to be with the Lord. And I, I in my mind, I just played that out. This, uh, that's fixing to happen to me. And you know, I mean, not that that's a you know that's not. That's a good thing, but uh, it wasn't. It wasn't what I was praying for, what I was wishing for. But after a few minutes, I realized, you know, hey, I'm still here. Aren't you glad? And. So I began to just become immersed and fascinated by the light, this supernatural light, this manifestation of God, and just watching it just like the particles just moving and circling my arms and my body and and i just begin to sense this love and this peace that passes all understanding and just i had just this um just this joy and peace and love and i began to just take my breath again and just relax and think think about this and process this it, Wow, you know, God has given me a second sign here during the night that, again, that I'm not alone, that he has not forsaken me, that God is with me through this process. And it was just so beautiful. It was so supernatural. The light was just, uh, it was unearthly. Um, you know, I, I'll have this picture in my mind until the day I die, or to want to go see the Lord, you know, I mean... It was just, uh, it was incredible. Uh, so, you know, and it, people shouldn't really, you know, be freaked out about that. You know, I like to back everything up with Scripture. And most people, as you mentioned, we reference that God is love, 1 John 4, 8, or, you know, John three sixteen, for God so loved the world that he gave us the only begotten Son that whosoever believed in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And God is love. That's that's true, 100% true. But if we back up a little bit to 1 John 1, 5, the Scripture says that God is light. God is light. And light is part of the very essence of God's eternal being. And so... You know, it's, it's different people who have had near-death experiences, like you have referenced in other things. Uh, you know, we know when Moses came off the mountain that his face just glowed. We know about the transfiguration of Christ as he's there with the three uh, uh, disciples. That you know, he was transfigured. He was just like white and glowing, and there's a glory of God all over him. So, you know, I I don't have a problem with. Uh, you know this supernatural light or manifestation what god's given me and i just think it was by god's grace that he did but anyway there's enough theology there y'all can research a little bit more if you want to but i could i could go on and on but so after about 30 minutes 40 minutes or so this light begins to just disappear and so this is you know i don't know 3 30 or so in the morning and you know my goal i, I just felt like i had to make it through the to the morning light and I had to live. And so I find myself again, you know, I'm having these highs and lows with these experiences with God and. Just plugging into the scripture, just praying everything I knew to pray. A period of time passed and God gave me a third sign as I could hear the spirit of God speaking to me. And the Lord was saying, you shall live and declare the glory of God. Man, you know, I'm, I'm on my deathbed, Lee. I'm not expecting to hear the Spirit of God speak to me. I'm just trying to live, okay? And then I hear it a second time with more authority and with more power. You shall live and declare the glory of God. And as the God does many times through the Scriptures, God said it a third time, you shall live and declare the glory of God. And, and when I heard that, I mean, it was just like, it was like a jarring in my body like this. It was just my mind. It was just like just ricocheting and bouncing around. And I'm just like, wow, you know, this is I'm hearing the spirit of God speaking to me on my deathbed. And, you know, this is just uh, jo- it was just jolting me. And that word was just so precious. Um, you know, it's one thing to know the Bible from Genesis to Revelation and to have scripture memorized and, and, and know all that. And I think we should, you know, it talks about letting the word of Christ dwell in you richly and, you know, the words uh, guide to us and so forth and so on. But whenever God speaks to you in a certain situation, whatever it might be, I mean, you don't have to be on your deathbed. But when God gets, it's called a rhema word, a rhema word of God, a very now word where, you know, when God speaks, it's directly to your situation where you're at in the moment that you're in that moment. And I knew that God had spoken that word to me. And it was just like, uh, you know, it was just like uh, uh, someone throwing me a life jacket. It was it was. It gave me faith. You know, Jesus said the words I speak are spirit in their life. And this word was like life giving. You know, we know that faith comes by hearing and hearing that spoken word of God. So it built my faith up again. These three different, uh, you know, supernatural manifestations that God gave me. And, you know, I clung onto that word. Man, I uh I said that to myself a hundred times the rest of the night, you know, as I'm still praying and still struggling, I'm like, God, you know, God, I'm, I'm holding on to this word, God, you said I would live and declare your glory. And so, I don't know, probably an hour or so, hour and a half, whatever, after this, I hear that hospital door start shaking. Heard that glass door start shaking, and I heard that and that nurse pull that door back. She rips that curtain back, and man, I, I when she did that, pull that back, and I just felt like I was on a rocket ship. It was just like just whoo, I had this surge of, of the Holy Spirit's power just come across me. And the Bible talks about the joy of the Lord, you know, weeping endures for a moment, but joy comes in the morning. And it talks about joy unspeakable and full of glory. And I just had this smile come over my face and I had so much joy and it was just overcoming me. And, you know, again, I mean, this craziest Bible passage, I'm thinking of this, Lee, I'm going, what, you know, I began to think about the children of Israel As they're fleeing Egypt, you know, they have the mountains on both sides, the waters in front of them. The mighty Egyptian army is coming after them, and it looked like certain death to them. And most people know the story, you know, God parted the waters. They walked over on dry ground. The Egyptian army died in the water. But I felt like the spirit of God was telling me, Ken, you've crossed over into a new dimension. Something happened in my spirit and in my faith and in my mind, these supernatural experience, and like God was saying, you know, you've crossed over, you, you, you've come to a different point in your life. You're you're not going to be the same. You know, this other experience is behind you. You're you're kind of a new person now. And you know, I begin to think about the Psalms again, and. You know, David, they were all hunters back then. They just didn't go down to the grocery store and pick up a piece of meat and pay for it and walk out the door. They were hunting, and, you know, if they, they didn't kill something, you know, they didn't have anything to eat. But this beautiful picture, is, David says, our soul, our soul has escaped from the death trap. Our soul has escaped from the death trap just like the animal that got away, that didn't get trapped, that didn't die, you know, and it was just such a, a beautiful reminder again of having the Word of God and let the Spirit of God use the Word of God to speak to you. And and I had thought about Daniel. I thought God had reached in and rescued me, you know, from the lion's den of death. Um, so yeah, that was a that was a long night, and that's a very short. A story there about what went on the whole night and you know i'm not trying to be super spiritual you know jesus said to the disciples hey guys can't you hang out and pray with me for an hour i mean can't you pray with me for an hour i mean that's ken chin uh, so but when 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 your life is on the line when it's death eternity and you have that fight or that will to live you know there's something that rises up in you and 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 just just i had that will to fight and you know it talks in in the different places in the scripture and, and i know people don't like the king james because it's kind of archaic and the way it says certain things but i like the way it says this and it says of many of these characters that they gave up the ghost. They gave up the ghost. In modern terminology we might just say, hey, you know, Lee, they, they lost the will to fight. They gave up the ghost. You know, and it may have been God's time for them to go. I, I don't know. But there is something about that about wrestling with God and prevailing with God and and working with God through the through the situation. I mean, I could have very easily just rolled over, and I know I would have died. But uh, you know, God gave me the strength and gave me these signs and spoke to me to uh, encourage me to continue to uh, to hang in there and and uh, and win this battle.
0: And the Bible gave you the framework to to fight that battle battle with. Oh, there's no doubt. If if I hadn't known the
1: scriptures, you know, I mean, and, you know, people ask me, well, you know, if I, you know, this is going to sound harsh, but I said, if all you got is John 3, 16, brother, you're going to have a rough go of it. Mm-hmm. It's like when Jesus was tempted by Satan in the wilderness, you know, Jesus couldn't say, hey, give me a minute here, Satan. Uh, I need to run back to the temple and see what the <laughs> scriptures says. Now, Jesus said, it is written, you know, he had the word in him. He was the word made flesh. And so whatever our circumstances are, you know, we know that the word of God is a sword of the spirit. And, um, you know, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate that there, you know, that there is sort of a, a lack of understanding or lack of familiarity with the scriptures today Um, you know, I know people that have read every work of literature that's out there to read that have master's degrees and so forth in literature, but they are totally ignorant and have never read the Bible. Mm. I I recently bought a person, uh, a Bible, a very brilliant person. I went and bought them a Bible and I had their name gold printed and put on it. (laughs) You know, and they said, well, I I think I'll probably, maybe it's time for me to read the Bible now. I I read everything else. Why not?
0: You know, I'm not for uh, mixing up uh, school and religion as such, but there's something to be said for reading the Bible as literature only, just so that people are familiar with these stories because they've had so much influence on the creation of our society. And uh, what, you, what you were doing really was, these are the stories uh, faith teaches us that God intended for us to hear. And you were using God's stories to re- reading them back to him, in a way, over that night. And uh, I think there's a particular power in doing it that way.
1: Yeah, I, be- I really believe that, uh, you know, it, it activates your faith. Uh, and it gave me the faith and the and the belief, uh, um, and out because I was so grounded in the Word to to prevail and to fight and and to to believe that God that God uh you know I knew God was going to hear my prayers. Thank God He did answer Him the way I wanted Him to. These other experiences, you know, seeing the light and hearing the Spirit of God speak to me were completely unexpected but you know praise god you know uh, uh i believe that god is a god of miracles and supernatural uh i don't think that you know that there's a group of theologians that call them cessationists that think that you know whatever god be, did back then you know god's done now he's just sitting on the throne patting his foot and doesn't really have whatever happens as a mankind just happens and you know no help from above so to speak uh, to me that's a very poor theology. That Jesus is the same yesterday, today and
0: forever. You won't ever hear an NDE or say that. God's still speaking to us yes. in in miraculous ways through near death experiences and spiritually transformative experiences, through out of body experiences, through visions and uh, all he, he's continually communicating with us through the angels, through the Holy Spirit.
1: Yeah. It's perfect there's yeah. a scripture that uh, a lot of people don't are not aware of it's in judges chapter 6:13 one of my favorite scriptures and um, it just goes to show you the mindset you know Gideon is saying to an angel he says you know if God be with us if you know you got all these churches running around running their mouths saying you know God oh you know God is with us Oh." But it says, you know, if God if God be with us, where be all His miracles which our fathers told us of? So, you know, where where are where are these? And when, you know, when Nicodemus came to Jesus at night, he used those same four words. He said, "We know you're a man sent from God, for no man can do these things you do except God be with him." You know, and then if you read it, you. You can trace it on uh, Acts ten thirty eight. Jesus went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed to the devil, for God was with him. Those same four words. So it shouldn't surprise, I'm sure it doesn't surprise it your listeners, but, you know, um, in the Hebrew-Jewish mindset, you could not separate God from miracles. If, if we say God is with us, somewhere in our timeline, somewhere, Maybe not every day, but somewhere we should be able to point out and say, if if God hadn't have intervened here, my life would be different. You know, if the hand of God hadn't have been present, you know, and it doesn't have to be a near death experience or something. I've had people share with me, you know, that they were driving down the interstate and they felt like God was telling them to move over in the other lane. And uh 18 wheeler end up was coming straight at them and they would have had a head on collision and everybody would have died they'd have been crushed had they not felt like god was speaking to them at that particular moment and they're like wow glad i heard that glad i listened there cuz it would have been over just like that you know yeah. um so yeah you know um uh, near death experiences uh you know, people seeing the light, um, angels and manifestations of God. Uh, um,
0: no all, those, all those visions that you referred to, that people, when they do give up, when they're dying, uh, I think 50% of people who uh, are conscious in the hospital when they're dying will often see an angel or, or, or a deceased relative come. They'll say, oh, look, it's my brother. He's come to take me home. Or they'll look at a blank wall and say, oh, how beautiful, you know, because they're looking through that wall into a a heavenly place. Yeah, they're seeing into a different
1: dimension that most of us don't see. And it's, I think, uh, you know, the the Hebrew prophets were called seers many times. They were called seers. And I I like the story of Elisha where, you know, he was uh, given the enemy king was coming against Israel, and he was seeing and hearing in the spirit realm what their battle plans were. So he would give the battle plans to the king of Israel. He'd say, hey, hey, king, put everybody on the western wall. They're going to attack. And sure enough, the next day the enemy army comes and they thwart the attack. So the, the enemy army goes back, and they drop some new battle plans. They say, we're, we're going to attack them from the east side. So Eli- Elisha's like, hey, king, I heard this in the spirit. I saw this. Move everybody on the east side. See, he's tapped into a different dimension than what anybody else has. He's living by the spirit of God. And, and so finally, the king says, there must be a traitor in my midst. You know, let's kill this traitor. Someone's given out. And they say, no, king, that's not so. But there is a man in Israel who is a seer. He sees things. He hears things in the spirit. You know, he has this anointing from God. And uh, so, you know, the whole army comes after Elisha. They're going to snuff out his life and, you know, his servant. Walks out and says, oh, my gosh, you know, it's been nice knowing you, Lee. Uh, we're going <laughs> to die now. And we've had a good run here together. But it's all over with, brother. You know, they got horses, they got spears, and they're fixing to kill us really good. Mm-hmm. Elisha walks out and he says, God, God, open my servant's eyes. And he sees all of the angels of God round about them mm-hmm. and, you know. So, yeah, uh, yeah, there's that that dimension that, uh, you know, I think when we seek God with all our heart, and, and I think that's the big deal is, God says, when you seek me with your whole heart, you'll find me. And it's on us. I mean, I can say this, that night I spent in the hospital room on my deathbed, without a question, I was seeking God with everything that was in me. And normally Kench, I've I've got ten options. I've got twenty options. But that night, Lee, there's no backup plan. It's it's I mean, it's death, it's life and death. There's no backup plan. I got I got nothing. I got I got nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. It's just being God. And uh, you know, praise the Lord that the Lord came through for me and
0: you know, uh Well, you had the language to to talk to him with. Uh, When uh, you described the nurse opening the door, it sounded like she was expecting to find you dead. (laughs) Ripped open the door, ripped open the curtain. What was her reaction to find you alive?
1: Speechless. Speechless. Yeah, I I really felt like, you know, with the doctors and everybody, uh, you know, um, I mean, they had called my brother up, uh, you know, this particular town I live in, you know, we're connected with some of the doctors and so forth. But what, one of the doctors called my brother and said, Hey, if you want to see your brother, you need to, you need to hightail it up there and go see him because he's probably not going to make it. Mm. And so, you know, they dismissed my brother. They dismissed my wife. And, uh, I remember I was telling my brother when he left, I said, uh, I said, you've been a good brother. I appreciate you. Yeah. So she was shocked. And they were like, she, she didn't say anything. She left. She left and went down the
0: hall. Like, what are we going to do with this guy now? She couldn't even say good morning to you, huh? No, no, uh, no, no. Now no. you told me one of your doctors said, came to you and said, you must be a warrior. Oh, yes, yes. Yeah. So they ended up, um, uh, moving me up to
1: the sixth floor, which was for critical COVID patients. And I'm sitting there and I'm in I'm actually in room 602. So I was right in the middle. I could see everything that was going on in the big hospital. And I see this doctor coming across. And he stops. He's not expecting to see me. I'm I'm not on his list, you know, and he stops. Dead in his tracks, he walks over there to my door. He pulls that door open about two foot. He says, "Sir," he says, "You must be a warrior." He said, "I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my eyes on you." I mean, you know, he had no clue what went on. He had, you know, he had no clue. But to me, it was a spiritual word. Mm. I took it as spiritually. Uh, his culture and so forth, you know, in our language in the Americans, we don't go around and s- typically say that guy's a warrior. We say, oh, you know, this guy's, he's bad or he's tough or he's macho or something like that. I don't walk around saying, oh, man, you know, Lee's a warrior. And it really resonated in my spirit and really stuck with me, uh, his words there. So, uh Yeah, so glad to hear
0: that i just smiled and gave him a thumbs up <laughs> uh so since that time do you find that your uh, outlook on life has changed that you're dealing with things differently or uh, and, and how did your family take the story of the of the light that saved you oh well they they're all they're believers and they rejoiced uh,
1: grateful uh and my life has changed so drastically, you know. Um, wow, I, I, as I said, I felt like I crossed over in a sense. And I feel like something just opened up in my spirit and in my mind. And, you know, even though I've been a student of the Word of God for, you know, 50 years or so, uh, instead of just, reading through you know say you know the book of hebrews or the judges or whatever first kings i find myself now just meditating on just small little small little passages of scriptures and just the spirit of god seems to just speak to me about just little small things and i just have such gratitude Mm -hmm. when i was in there um I was so fortunate and so blessed. Uh, you know, I think we're going to go, I think we're going to look probably already, most people are already realizing it, but the old COVID policy where hospitals would not let a loved one come in if, uh, you know, if you had, say, your wife or your daughter had COVID, you couldn't even go in the hospital. Yeah. They wouldn't even let you in the doors. I think we're going to look back at that and say how uncivilized, how barbaric. That really was, I mean, man, it was just, and I know people that died in there with, you know, with no loved ones around, with nobody around, and how cruel is that? You know, if I'm willing to sign a waiver and I want to go in there just say reverse it, if my wife was in there, I tell you what, they're going to have a hard time keeping me out. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know how other men feel about that, but if it was my wife or daughter, buddy, I mean... Um. But anyway, so they had changed. Praise the Lord. They changed that policy. And so for three weeks, I couldn't even feed myself. Mm. You know, if I, my wife hadn't been there, you know, she thought she was cute at sometimes. Lee. She, you know, you know how women can be. Mm. She thought she was really cute. Uh, she's, she's feeding me. I, I can't pick up a fork and she's doing this. Uh, open up. Open up here. Here comes the choo-choo train. Open up wide. Oh, no. You know, just like you're feeding, a, you know, like a two month old baby or something. But, you know, the Bible says a merry heart does good like medicine. And I was taking a bunch of pills and this was my happy medicine. I didn't mind if she had a little fun uh, doing that to me. Uh, but, yeah, there was a lot of things I saw, uh, you know, during the, I was there for 30 days in the hospital uh a lot of stories and a lot of experiences that I wrote about. uh, And, uh,
0: yeah, it was uh, just. uh, Did your daughter take it well that you uh, used her as the reason for your return? Oh, yeah. So (laughs) was she was
1: she proud of you for doing that? Very much so. You know, she she wrote a chapter in the book as well as my wife and my daughter. Uh, at the time, my daughter was going to a major university in the United States and in uh, Nashville, Tennessee. And it was her last; she was going back for her last semester when all this was going on. And I mean, she had lost her mamaw a year earlier. Mm-hmm. She had lost her uncle Tom two years earlier, and then she had lost Jean three years earlier. So death. You know, and with her, you know, she'd had a long, as you mentioned, battle with epilepsy for 10 years. And and uh, she didn't want to go back. It was her last semester. She didn't even have a full semester. So she's like, no, I'm not going to leave my dad. And um, I'm staying. You know, I won't drop out a semester. I'll go back and graduate, but I'm not I'm not going to leave him. And, uh, you know, my wife talked her into it and then my brother talked to her and said, you know, your dad would want you to go finish, go finish, you know, call us every day. And she did uh, called every day. And but, yeah, when she had a break to come back from. uh, The semester, it was just so sweet and tender. You know, she flew in and when she walked through the door. You know, we just cried. We just cried and sat there on the couch, and I told her the story, and we cried some more. You know, <laughs> tough guy can't cry. But I'm turning into a crybaby, Lee. Uh, it just opened your heart. That's all. That's what happens. Yeah, it does. It yeah. does. And, and then my wife, uh, you know, <clears throat> not even thinking about it. I mean, January the 4th is my night in, in the <laughs> hospital. And that was the one year anniversary for my wife losing her mother. Mm. And so my wife's plans, I mean, she had planned on getting some fresh flowers and taking them out to the grave and breaking out some, you know, photo albums and sitting around and reminiscing about a great mother and that she had and we had and, uh, and she, all of a sudden, you know, she found herself in the very beginning being very bitter. <sighs> she was like, God, you know, you took my mother last year. Now you're taking my husband one year, mm. same date, a year later. And But she pulled herself together. She thought that kind of thinking won't get you very far. And, you know, she started calling people that, you know, that she knew that were prayer warriors, people that you know, are hearers of the word and doers of the word, not hearers, and uh, people that can pray and touch the throne of God. And before long, you know, there was hundreds of people praying for me to, to make it through the night and to live. Uh, but, yeah, that was from her perspective. You know, I, I, I'm not even thinking about any of that. I'm just thinking about myself trying to live, Lee, you know. I, yeah. <laughs> I, uh, so, yeah, they both uh, were very happy and uh Really rejoiced over the whole situation.
0: Uh. Well, you're doing what God asked you to do uh, you're letting the world know about about uh, God's love, God's grace, God's um, forgiveness and and uh, what it's like to be blessed by Him. So I think that's a powerful thing you're accomplishing just in doing shows like this. We are out of time, unfortunately, Ken. Um, tell, uh, tell your audience here what, um, uh, uh, how they can find your book, first of all, and uh, also uh, how they might get in touch with you if, if uh, they needed to. Sure. Well, I have a – as a result of all this, and
1: I have a website. It's just KenChen.com, K-E-N-C-H-I-N-N.com. And the book's up on Amazon. It's called "An Encounter with the Healer." It'll be uh, an investment that you will love. You'll read it in one sitting. You'll want to give it to your friends and family members. Uh, you know, it's a uh, my deal was with COVID, but it's really a just hanging on, praying, being persistent, being a warrior, fighting. Whether you're dealing with cancer, marriage, finance, everybody's going through something. Mm. Uh, yeah, you know, it's it's. Uh, I think you'll find it a, a huge encouragement.
0: That's terrific. Thank you, Ken. Thanks for sharing your story. Wow, thank you, Lee. This has been tremendous. It's been a very unusual show for us, but I think a yeah. very important one as well. If listeners would like to hear this show again or any of our more than 450 archived ad-free NDE interviews, go to Talk Zone's NDE radio site and hit the past shows button. Or go to our YouTube channel, NDE Radio with Lee Whitting, where you can subscribe to and comment on the complete NDE Radio library. Be sure to check out our NDE Radio Facebook page. Just search NDE Radio with Lee Whitting on your Facebook app. And listen again next Monday, 11 a.m. Eastern at Talk Zone for more NDE Radio. I'm your host, Lee Whitting, saying thanks for listening.